Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Thomas Quinn, Global Lead of Wellbeing Specialist Programs and Research at TikTok. Today we're going to be discussing a shift from a reactive focus around our workplace health and wellbeing strategies to a more proactive and preventative focus when it comes to wellbeing. Welcome to today's session, Thomas. Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast, Thomas. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, you're over in Dublin at the moment, aren't you? I am. A very warm Friday in Dublin, yeah. Fantastic. So this is the middle of the heat wave because uh, normally these sessions are recorded a couple of weeks before. Um, and today I'm really excited to, to hear your view um, on workplace health and well-being um, and to talk about preventative well-being specifically. Um, why are you so passionate, first of all, about preventative well-being? And then we'll go on to what organisations can do to be able to build a, a robust preventative well-being strategy. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's a great question. I suppose from my perspective, we look at preventative well-being within organizations. There's a couple of couple of kind of key things that we can look at. So typically we look at it from a clinical setting, so primary, secondary, and tertiary care program. And when I look across what organizations are doing and what the research is telling us, a lot of what's happening in industry primarily focuses on that tertiary care space. And as a well-being professional, that concerns me a little bit because when I think about, if we take workplace stress as an example, we can see how, for example, using an EAP program, which would be considered tertiary care, it doesn't address that system of support, doesn't actually address the stress itself. It means that, for example, that stress has to accumulate or develop within an individual for them to want to have to seek support and then for them to go down the tertiary care support model. So, for example, most organizations, like I said, would have an EAP program and my focus as a well-being practitioner and a shift that we're currently seeing in, in industry is that preventative care piece. So identifying what are those risks up front, whether it be workplace stress or another risk, and I know we'll probably get into this. And then looking at or asking yourselves the question, what systems, what kind of processes, what kind of resources can we put in place to either eliminate that risk or reduce it as best we can? Fantastic. I think you've just encapsulated that so well because it's such a, a broad topic. And it seems that a lot of organizations do focus on the more reactive well-being. Why is that, first of all, and how can we then shift to a more preventative approach going forwards? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of the, the, the services out there that are available to organizations are reactive in style and they're fantastic. I think the, the key struggle from an organizational perspective and this from, from talking to professionals across the space is how do we actually identify the risk and, and what can we do to identify those risks before we ever look at the types of controls or supports that we normally put in place. And it can be quite complex. I think from my perspective, there's two things that organizations could do as a very first step. So first off, I think going out and simply asking your employees, what do they want? What do they need? What stresses them out? You know, a lot of people listening to this podcast, ask yourselves that question. When's the last time you actually went out to your teams and said, what's worrying you? What's stressing you out? Because we know from an industry perspective that there are typical workplace stressors, whether it be, you know, job demands, work-life conflict, uh, stress, bullying, bullying in the workplace, et cetera. They're all your common stressors. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of organizations 
are unique and a lot of industries are unique and there might be stressors in an organization that go beyond the, the traditional workplace stresses as well. So as a first step, go out and speak to your teams and ask them. Um, as a second step from a systematic perspective, my advice would be for organizations to start to develop a risk identification process. Mm-hmm. So that could be in collaboration with your employees. You can run quantitative surveys, you do qualitative interviews and focus groups to gather a list of potential psychological uh, risks in the company to to then uh, uh, compile them, identify them, as I said, and put a list of controls or programming or supports in place to be able to address that. Um, this is something obviously that needs to be very dynamic. Look at look at what we've come through with COVID, how this is changing the expectations of employees when we look at things like uh, what we thought were traditional workplace stresses that were front and central. Like I said, threat, workplace stress being the obvious one. We're seeing a huge shift across industries and organizations. We see employees now looking for things like uh, workplace, uh, excuse me, flexibility in relation to the their, their role, the work that they do, their shift pattern, um, working remotely versus working in the office. So a lot of these things are quite quite new from a, from a, from an industry perspective. Um, and then it's about, I suppose, using that, uh, as I said, the, the, our risk framework or our risk uh, identification process to firstly identify those risks. And then once you've identified them, that will help organizations to, to, to consider the, the potential controls that they can put in place as well. I think that's a fantastic message in terms of listening because that's often one of the things that, that can get missed out and organisations implement initiatives and everything else without asking employees what is it that you really want um, from this and what is it that you're you're struggling with and what challenges do we need to overcome. I'm going to ask quite a tricky question here um, that I, I sometimes get asked myself that running this research is fantastic but is it only as good as the trust that the employees have within the organisation and how can we build that trust early on absolutely yeah and that's a great point it's definitely something that i face as a professional that particular challenge and i'm sure every other organization has faced it as well i think upfront critical piece especially if if an organization for example is going out to run the first ever risk identification uh, process uh, is identifying the why upfront you really need to to build that trust as you said You, you really need to tell employees why you're doing it, emphasizing what the outcome or the output will be up front. So think think about how you can example um, how we'll make a change. So for example, linking the health and safety policies into the into the initial communication to say, we want to listen to you. Here's what we're going to do. This particular document or series of documents will change as a result of that so that employees can really understand um, you know, what's going to happen rather than, oh, here comes the organization with another survey. How important is it that the actions then taken off the back of what employees say? So in relation to the, the actual actions themselves, look, we know a lot of a lot of companies have shifted to survey approaches yeah. as a result of whether it be COVID or remote working. And a lot of employees are complaining about just being over surveyed, survey fatigue. It's critical. You have to action um, based on what has been told. Otherwise, you're not going to get in the future the responses that you might need for something that's super urgent uh, or critical across the, the organization as well. Can you talk a little bit more around what workplaces can do and especially the the importance of focusing on preventative and how to get senior leadership involved in it? 
it's super important. Uh, I, I think companies often struggle to understand preventative care model. When I know we earlier spoke about uh, primary, secondary, and tertiary care models. Another analogy that I like to use to break that down to help translate my message is consider a psychological health and safety model where you're bringing together typical health and safety and psychology. Um, an example I often use is building sites. So when we have uh, a builder that's working on a building site, how can we, or how do we go about identifying those risks? So they're pretty clear from an occupational perspective. You, you know that, you know, there's slips and trips, there's the, the, the ladders. Um, there are certain risks from a primary perspective. So when it comes to preventative care, um, like a falling object, for example, that's why you mm -hmm. would give somebody a hard hat on, uh, on a building site. Um, likewise, I want to apply the same model to an organization. Um, senior leadership play a huge role in that particularly first off when it comes to uh, role modeling uh, and and even just getting the even getting as a first step getting through the risk identification process um, and, and getting their buy-in and support and driving that down to the team to simply gather data uh, and then secondly I think it's around when it comes to delivering the message or the change that you that we spoke about in relation to the importance of telling our organization that as a result of what they've shared, we're making change and getting that message out through senior leaders as well. Perfect. And I, I couldn't agree anymore um, in terms of engaging the senior leadership teams and well-being strategies often are as only as strong or weak um, as the, the senior leaders engagement behind it as well and those role modeling behaviors. So something you've mentioned, Thomas, frequently is psychological safety. And I find psychological safety absolutely fascinating within organizations from an internal champion perspective and with our clients. Can you talk a little bit more around the research that you've, uh, you've found with psychological safety and what it actually really means? Absolutely. Um, I think there's broad definitions. Uh, there's, there's a fairly, a fairly strong understanding now from a research perspective in relation to what that means. If you want my personal view here, Harry, I think we still have a lot of work in relation to the individual level differences when it comes to psychological safety. Um, I'm finding more and more, particularly actually and interestingly across different cultures and, and across different regions, that that sense of psychological safety, as we understand it, it, it varies quite a bit. And that poses a, a critical, a very real and critical challenge for organizations particularly when we look at uh, well-being strategies and embedding psychological safety and creating that culture of uh, psychological safety within organizations, typically it's, it's drawn from one definition and that then uh, is rolled out across an organization. I suppose my challenge today will be how can we consider different cultural nuances and the needs of individuals in, in this space? Um, I think it comes back to one of the points I made earlier in relation to going out to uh, your workforce and your organization and looking at their specific and unique needs. I don't think this just applies to psychological safety. I think this applies to every domain in relation to well-being. We still, as a, as a collective across, across all of the different areas within, within the well-being uh, industry, cannot agree on, on a clear definition. Um, so I'm very much in support of that subjective view of, of well-being. Understand what it means for your people and then deliver on that. What a fantastic message. Um, thank you so much, Thomas, for joining us today. I know how busy you are and, uh, and I can't wait to hear the feedback from our community. Thanks, Thanks for the invite. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.